Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Spotlight Podcast. We're coming to you from the Edinburgh Fringe. I'm Christina Kerr, I work at Spotlight, and today we're talking all about being a solo performer and putting on your own show. Joining us, we have Sadie Clark, whose show is Algorithms, Isabel Caban, whose show is Love, Watching Madness, and Katie Gucciardi, whose show is Fox. The ladies talk to us all about how they devise their shows, how they brought them to the Edinburgh Fringe, and their advice if you're thinking of putting on your own show for the Fringe or any other venue in the future. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me on the Spotlight Podcast. Thank you for having having us. us. (laughs) I want to ask you, we're halfway through, how are you holding up? (sighs) Deep breath. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's funny, so I have been doing, I feel like really well, like weirdly, I wasn't expecting to feel this okay, but then today I had a really hard day. So that's just like Mm. my honest, real talk answer. It's like today I had a difficult day at the fringe, so yeah, Mm. but up until that point I've been doing really well. Is there a particular reason, do you think? I think it could be, it's the halfway point. Um, I think weirdly, like we had a like a low number of pre-sales today and I think that mm. just threw me um yeah but it just happens it's the ups and the downs but up until that point I, I felt really great so mm. it's just interesting that today is my day of like mm. oh. but yeah yeah and mine started really really well and then after about five days started to get reviewers in and that made me really nervous and yeah. I didn't I hadn't anticipated that I thought it would be totally cool but mm-hmm. apparently being judged is very different from being watched yes and it, that threw me for a couple of days um mm-hmm. but now I feel like I'm back on track mm-hmm. from back that, trying to just zone them out mm-hmm. how about I, you Sadie I I weirdly my worst days were very early on before it even opened because I'm a very anxious person who worries about what's going to happen Mm. so until it had opened I just couldn't get it out of my head all of the things that could possibly go wrong that my brain does that a lot and then once I had opened I felt better because I remembered that I really love performing the show Mm. Um, but I've definitely had ups and downs Mm -hmm, as well mm -hmm. yesterday was my day off and that was lovely I went to the Turkish baths at Portobello Beach and it was so nice I felt like I'd gone on holiday and so today (laughs) I actually found it a bit tough because I feel as if my body thought oh we've stopped for a bit Mm -hmm. like yesterday and I just feel really tired Mm. yeah Mm. I didn't like having a day off didn't you no I didn't enjoy it at all I haven't no 18th Oh, yeah, I'm coming. like powering oh, through. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of wish I'd done that because now I'm just thinking, I've only done half of it and I've got, well, I've now got 12, not 13 shows left. But yeah, yeah, my voice feels a bit tired. Well, it didn't show. I just saw your show before. Yeah, that's good. I saw both of you actually, Katie uh, as well, and I saw you yesterday, Izzy. Um, I thought all three shows were brilliant um, and very different subject matters. Mm. You're covering really different topics. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that kind of struck me that was sort of similar is that they're very um well men don't really factor in (laughs) let's put it that way like it's not really about a male experience it's about female experience in each case um I just kind of was curious you know why did you each want to tell that particular story you know was there an initiating moment where you're like I have to tell this story in particular uh mine (laughs) mine was maybe like really basic Mm. but I realised I was bisexual when I was 26 and when I realised it, I thought, God, I I probably have known this about myself for a while, but I didn't realise it was a thing. I yeah. thought if I fancied men, that, that meant I was straight and all of the crushes I had on girls were just crushes. Um, 
so I just knew I really wanted to write like a mainstream story with a bi character, mm-hmm. which was nothing to do with her sexuality. Um, that that she just happened to be bi, and then I, it was at a period in my life when I was feeling very depressed. I wasn't really working, and I was spending loads of time on social media and on my phone, and a relationship had ended, and and it felt like it was maybe to do with how inside my own head I was mm. about stuff. So then the story kind of came from all of that. But I just knew really, like, deep inside that I really wanted to put a bi character mm. centre stage. I was getting to tell something not about a struggle with sexuality. Yeah. 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 What about you, Izzy? Um, so my show looks at uh, mother-daughter relationships and caring for someone with mental illness and it's based on the fact that my mum has bipolar and it's mm. based, it looks at our relationship and how it's formed our relationship and I think I knew I wanted to make a show about it because for years when I was younger I didn't tell anyone my mum was unwell right. so like when I had friends around and stuff and my mum would be in her room I used to be like oh my mum has the flu or I used to say like oh she's just it's weird I'd put these on like I'd make up all these stories I'd be like oh she's got a migraine and actually she just didn't want to see people because she was feeling really rubbish Mm. um and so I knew I always wanted to make a show about that um and then I graduated uni a couple of years ago and I think almost as like a as like a post-uni panic of like, OMG, I need to get in to do something. Like, I can't deal with not being creative. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Um, And a few weeks before I started making the show, I'd gone back on my Facebook account um, and I'd found some old Facebook messages that my mum had sent me um, from a time when she lived abroad for a couple of years. And like, just the messages themselves told such a story that that sort of, Per, like inspired me to go into the room I just went into the room with those messages and I was like ah I'm in a uni panic let's do something and mm. that's how it happened really that's how it was how it was born so yeah and Katie um yeah so mine was inspired by real events um and that was that a man came and sat on the wall outside my flat um when I lived in East London and I just had my first baby Mm. and I became really obsessed with watching him because I was at home all the time feeding said baby Mm. and um in the sort of experience of trying to process what he was doing there uh, I wrote about it and then at the same time a lot of my closest friends were going through postnatal depression because they'd also had children recently and then other friends who'd had children previously sort of came out and told me that they had but hadn't told me at the time and it was Mm. something that just wasn't on my radar I mean I was lucky enough not to have it but um, so many people I knew did and I thought why didn't anyone warn me that this was a potential thing that happens to clearly so many people and I really wanted to raise awareness of it and it worked perfectly in parallel with the story of the man so the the mum in the play um she's suffering from you know postnatal mental health issues and it's her journey towards realizing she needs help as much as this man on the wall and funny enough it you say it's you know doesn't involve men and stuff but we had um we had a guy waiting for us after the show yesterday to say that he really identified with the feelings that the mother was having oh, really? and that he had a two month old and also what should he look out for in his partner mm. and it, you know he's not the only man that sort of you know had a, a response to it which i'm really pleased about because yeah. a lot of yeah, men suffer sure. as mm. well with 
new parenthood and the stuff that comes along with it. Absolutely. Mm. I guess I should have worded that better, <laughs> that it's more kind of just challenging what is... I felt like all three of you are sort of exploring what it is that's expected of women and what women are doing. Mm. Um, because kind of t- both of you and Izzy and Katie, you look at kind of motherhood, mm. what that mm. actual experience is like. Yeah. Um, and actually when I came out of your show today, Katie, I did ring my mum and because my mother's in Australia, so I had to think about the time difference. And I was like, Mom, did you ever have this issue? And she was like, yeah, a little bit, but I honestly had never thought to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really powerful in terms of what theatre can do. And I just kind of wondered, you know, for each of you, was there a reason why you thought, um, you know, theatre is the way to tell this story or, like, the fringe is a good place for this story? Did that kind of ever enter your head or was it more about, you know, I just really have to tell this story? It doesn't matter kind of where it goes. I feel like this might be a bit of a boring answer, but I think I chose theatre just because I'm an actor and I love theatre and yeah. I love telling stories. So that for me was just my, that's my go-to. But I think there's something, I'm sure you guys will agree, there's something so special about like sitting in a room yeah. with other people for an hour and sharing that experience. And it's, you know, it's different to reading about it or watching a YouTube video about it. You actually get to know a person for an hour mm. and you get to share their lived experience. And it's so special. And I think theatre is so amazing because afterwards you come out and you have conversations about it. And mm. I don't know any other art form that's that live and that exciting. And that's why I think theatre is the best place to tell these sort of stories. Yeah, I totally agree. Theatre is about human connection mm. and that's what you're going to get in a really you know a wholesome form when yes. people are in a room like you said experiencing it together sure. I wonder then can you can you like give me a bit more insight in terms of how you actually turned the idea into something that we we've now we're now able to watch you know what's that kind of process like because I feel like there are so many things to think about with a fringe show you know choosing a venue choosing a t- well getting a time and and you know sorting it out and actually making it something slick and performable you know, did you set yourself deadlines? Like, how did it actually work in terms of breaking that process down? Um, well, I came to the Fringe in 2017 to see stuff, kind of in the knowledge of I wanted to do a one-woman show at the Fringe in 2019. Mm. I'm a big planner. Um, <laughs> I love it. Funnily enough, there was like a little... I was in the Guardian recommendations yesterday and it said like if anything this show's too meticulous it could do with being a bit messy and I was like there is one piece if there's one piece of criticism that's okay it's that I'm very <laughs> meticulous and I am a planner so I started planning to come yeah in 2017 and then I wrote the show on the Soho Theatre Writers Lab in 2017 to 18 um, and loads of people were like oh you should just take it to the fringe in 2018 and I was like no I need to be absolutely prepared. I need to go back and research. And I like researched all the venues then in 2018 and did a lot of, um, yeah, very specific planning and applying <laughs> Sounds like a good stuff, idea though. Which I think, like for me and the way I work, it was absolutely what I needed because I'm mm. a perfectionist and worry about getting everything right. Um, and that was just, the, yeah, the way I needed to do it. I also know people have done it very different ways and it's worked, but for me, it was like... A military operation. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Mine was a... I feel like m- I almost made the whole piece by accident, which <laughs> doesn't sound that good. Um, but uh, I'd... The Actor Centre in Covent Garden, they yes. had this call out for... It, they were having a mental health initiative. It's called the John Thor Initiative. Um, and that particular season was about mental health. And so I submitted... Um, to that and then that was like a 15-20 minute scratch where you ran a workshop and Q&A alongside it 
So I made the first bit of the show there, which I think was good because I think when you talk about deadlines, like it's nice to be like, oh my God, I need something to show by that point. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting like it to get that good reactions just at the scratch, but it did. And that's when I was like, okay, I really want to push this forward and I want to make it into a full length thing. And then um, it, it almost feels a bit like accidental. I just sort of... <laughs> put loads of post-it notes on the floor of like potential (laughs) things and like orders they could go in and like my director Ruth she's so amazing we have um like a really great collaborative sort of way of making theatre and we just sat together in like a room full of post-its and sort of shuffled things around um and it's changed a little bit as the process has gone on but yeah when once we had the full thing we were sort of like oh and it's interesting because um for ages I couldn't find the ending of the show and I just right. had no idea what it was going to be and I'd had I'd written one but I thought it was really crap so I didn't tell anyone and I was like oh no it's just it's not good and then one day we were like what is the ending going to be and then I read out the ending and like there was it was just such a special moment like the, there was just this atmosphere in the room of like yeah that's it and then Ruth was like, why didn't you show me this earlier? And I was like, I was too embarrassed. <laughs> so I think that has taught me a lesson of like, I just need to show everyone my work, even if I think it's a bit crap. It's not. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's an interesting point that you've just kind of picked up on there, which is, you know, you are all doing solo shows, but no piece of theatre is a completely solo effort Mm -hmm. what's that process been like for you have you had to sort of incorporate collaborators somehow do you think it's harder maybe to sort of workshop when it's just you what's that been like for you I think it is really hard when it's just you because you you don't know you can't watch yourself Mm -hmm. and you don't know if it's good or if it's coming across the way you want it to um I wrote mine about five years ago and then did a lot of piecing together sort of cutting out paragraphs and changing the order and sticking them back together and then I submitted mine to um reading week at the Pleasants, and it got selected for that which is how I got my producer Mm. and then um and then also got the director on board from that and luckily I mean we worked like you said really well together Mm. and it was it became very collaborative and she was a really good um, guidance in how to put it together and what the structure should be and things that I didn't, you know, I hadn't really thought about, like the shape of it and things like that. And <clears throat> it was really nice to actually bounce the ideas off someone and, and to take those ideas that you'd had and thought, this is really rubbish, and, and <laughs> say them to someone and someone going, actually, yeah, that, that bit's good. Let's take that and do this with it. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I'm interested, you know, you mentioned the Pleasance there, you know, what's that relationship been like for you? Say you mentioned, like, researching venues. <laughs> like, was there a particular reason you picked the Pleasance? Um, like, what's that process been like, working with them as a venue? Um, I just, yeah, it's been great. I think I had a lot of different people say to me that the Pleasance were a really supportive mm-hmm. company, and in particular the people I was working with at Soho said, you know, they're an MPO, so that they're... Oh God, I can't remember what that stands for, but it means that they get funding from the Arts Council yeah. and they're a charity. So I think that they have a little bit more time perhaps to be a bit less commercial about it and mm. and support the artists. Like they had Pleasance producer workshops. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd just seen loads at Pleasance that I really liked and I thought it was probably a good fit for the sort of audience mm. I wanted mm. there's something about the atmosphere at the Pleasance that's yeah. so special yeah. I had the lamest the moment yard. where like <laughs> the day before I went to Edinburgh I was like saying bye to my mum and stuff and I was like oh my god I've got a show on at the Pleasance courtyard yeah. and I know that's lame because it's just like a little show yeah. or whatever but I was like oh my god I am so proud yeah. that I have a show on at the Pleasance courtyard because yeah. like 
other fringes that I've been to and stuff, I've always been like, oh, that is the venue. Like, that is mm, the venue. To yeah. So, yeah, that's just, like, yeah. it's so amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, and sure. I completely echo what Sadie said. Like, they've just been, they're so supportive. All the staff are so lovely. Yeah. They're always up for, like, a chat and... Mm-hmm. You know, they're just, yeah, they're really, really lovely. And it's so nice because doing a solo show is knackering. Mm-hmm, and yeah. so when the people around you are lovely, you're like, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, that must help a lot. Absolutely. Are there any other kinds of things that you think people should be aware of that if they want to take a show to the Fringe? Obviously, <clears throat> it's like, it's very important that you choose a venue that's right for you. And if you can get a time slot that kind of works for you, that's good. Are there other things to do with maybe like promotion or what would you say to people in terms of the other challenges of the Fringe? Money. Money, yeah, well, that's a big yeah. one too, obviously. It's, it's not money. that cheap. Yeah, it's very expensive. Um, I think um, a good image and a really clear like idea of what your copy is is mm-hmm. really helpful. Yeah. That's one thing I've definitely found with my show. Like So many people have come up and said to me, your image is amazing, I've been seeing it everywhere. And I think <laughs> Ali Wright was my photographer. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. I like chatted to her about the show and what it was about and she came up with this whole concept of well let's try and emulate like Instagram and social media Mm -hmm. and that like vibe of pastel colours and Mm -hmm. as if your life is like filtered and gloss and Mm -hmm. I do just massively think it makes a difference difference. if you've got like Mm -hmm. a really strong image and I have my like tagline which just makes it a bit easier to like sum up in one mm. line to people yeah you do need that helpful. you do need something fast to yeah. give to people yeah yeah mm. which is hard when your show is sort of different made up of different elements you have to find a way to put it succinctly mm-hmm. yeah so it's worth kind of coming up with mm. that and just figuring out what that line can be mm-hmm. i want to ask you then you know um have you been paying much attention to things like reviews or well, how are you dealing with that process in terms of getting a lot of feedback, I guess you would say, because there's so many reviewers mm. and they're mm. um, not always kind. <laughs> but they're mostly, I, I mean, you've all gotten great reviews so far, as far as I can tell. But I just wonder, like, how are you processing that? How, how are you dealing with being reviewed? By focusing on the audience responses. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because it's so much more, mm-hmm. it's worth so much more mm. and it's why you do the show. Mm. And when you have, you know, even one person in an audience who connects with the material or it, it does something to them or changes them in some way, that that means everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's amazing because that's like an hour of their life that they'll probably remember yes. for such a long yeah. time that you've yeah. given them. Exactly. And that is, uh, at the end of the day, more special yeah. than mm. any review, I think. But also, mm. like... I, I, I found it a little bit hard because I've gotten a couple of three-star reviews and I've mm. always said um, that I'd sort of almost rather someone either really loves my work or really hates it, like gives yeah. it a one-star mm. and just slates it. <laughs> so I've actually found the three-stars a little bit hard to deal with because I've been like, oh, mm. that makes me feel like you're indifferent to the show and yeah. I'm sort of like, how can you be indifferent to something that's my life and I like my... <laughs> yeah, you know, like something that's such a big deal in, in, mm. in my life. But I think, yeah, exactly, as Katie says, like, it's um, audience reactions. Like, it just comes alive and afterwards chatting to people who Mm. the show's resonated with or, you know, like, sometimes people are like, oh, my God, that's made me think about my friend's mum who used to Mm -hmm. hide in her room and that's probably what was going on. It's amazing. So, yeah, just focus on the audience because that's why we tell the stories, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, um, I can't, yeah, I really agree with that, actually, because I've had, I'm waiting for my review bingo because I've had two stars three stars four stars and five stars different numbers of each and so I'm waiting for my one star um but yeah that I hadn't thought of that but that's so true because like with the ones that weren't 
that said stuff that wasn't very nice and were like two stars I like wrote I wrote responses to them in my diary because <laughs> that's the only way I can process oh, that is things such a strong idea um, and I just needed to remind myself why I wrote the show mm-hmm. and I needed to remind myself that the bits that they didn't get were the bits that like meant the most to me mm-hmm. and meant the most to my audiences mm-hmm. who had been saying like thank you for putting a bi yeah. character on stage who's mm-hmm. not it's not about her sexuality and like loads of other things mm-hmm. but yeah I've just realised that I was wondering why the three stars were making me feel funny yeah. but that's why it's because they were all really indifferent they just yeah. were like this happened three stars yeah <laughs> <laughs> they just like described Neutral. the yeah <laughs> described the show's story mm my job yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but also they're just one person's opinion yeah and if you have yeah, you know exactly. 60 people come and watch your show they're all going to think something different about it yeah. just yeah. one of them happens to write it down exactly yeah. and yeah. i mean i think the like recent thing that's gone around on twitter was um obviously about fleabag getting one and two star reviews mm-hmm. when it first came and I mean, the rest is history. So a review is not necessarily everything, is it, anyway? Also, you can um, always get a good quote. I live for, like, any good <laughs> yeah. quote. So in the three stars, yeah. I've had some cracking yeah, really quotes. Good. And yeah. I'm like, well, you know, thank they you. don't yeah. need to know thank what you. the star rating is because that <laughs> quote is going on my flyer. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I want to know then, like, you know, you kind of touched on, Izzy, the fact that, like, it is about, you know, real things that have happened to you. Um, not to like throw a cat amongst the pigeons, but there's been a little bit of discussion this year uh, that there's a lot of autobiographical theatre going mm. on and lots of complaints that it's self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. Um, Lynn Gardner has kind of hit back on that and said, oh. actually, no, it's really important mm. that we get people telling their own stories. I wonder what you guys make of that discussion. Mm. I think it's really important that people make autobiographical work um, as long as they're in a place where they're prepared to do so. Mm -hmm. The irony of mine is that it is not autobiographical and every single person who comes to see it thinks it is. Mm -hmm. And it's brought up some really sort of... uh, interesting thoughts and ideas about that in terms of a theatre piece, you know, and whether that's right or wrong, but I think it's totally right. And I'm, I'm taking my own positive experience and, you know, even with a positive experience of, of pregnancy and, and having a child, you still feel lonely and exhausted and overwhelmed. And I'm sort of enhancing those things in order to tell a story of something I haven't experienced. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I love watching autobiographical work mm. so long as people are in a place where it's safe to tell yeah. that if it is dealing with trauma. Yeah, for sure. Mm. It can be quite challenging to relive some of that stuff in Hmm. particular. Um, I'm wondering then, you know, in terms of looking at the fringe again, you know, you kind of mentioned that um, what the audience takes away is is more important than the review itself. Do you think there's something unique about the kinds of audiences that come to the fringe? Is there something people should be aware of as performers in terms of what what audiences are expecting? Do you take that into account or have you adjusted your work for like the fringe audience or not really? Someone said to me that the fringe, every day at the fringe is like an opening night. And I think mm. that's a really good way of summing it up. And for the first four or five days, I was a bit thrown because I had people like with their eyes closed or on their phone or like Ooh. asleep in the corner. And I was getting really, I was like focusing so much on that one person mm-hmm. instead of the people who were actually engaged with me and like leaning in to listen to my story. And then, yeah, when that person said that to me, I was like, such a good way of thinking about it and to like focus on the people who are giving you something back. That's yeah. kind of been my experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's really true. My director actually said, think of those people as 
bad actors who aren't giving you anything back you still yeah. have to keep trying to get yes, from you them. told me that the other day yeah. and that was like some of the that's best really yeah. it's really yeah, yeah. true because you do end up with people who maybe just walked in there and didn't really know what they were going to i had a man who took a nap in the front yeah. row oh yeah and I've i thought if you're gonna take a nap yes. go to the back row <laughs> <laughs> or stay in bed i've had a lot of ones where it's like so clear that there's, there, there's two people who've come together. One of them really wanted to be yeah. there to see my show. The other's like, yeah. I yeah. just yeah. came because of this person yeah. and I'm asleep. <laughs> that is literally it. And then it's like, yeah, they're just doing their own thing. My director was like, it's the fringe. People are going to be doing weird things. Mm-hmm. You've just got to let them do them. Yeah. Because there's the, the like catchphrase of my show is you do you. So she's like, you know, just let them do them. You do you on stage. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's perfect. Is there anything else that you think, like, has anything kind of gone wrong or been challenging that you would kind of warn other people to, about dealing with? I mean, a lot of the fringe venues, for instance, are a bit makeshift, so to speak. Mm. Is there anything that you've had to kind of deal with in that sense? Very loud rain. Yeah? Yeah, thundering oh, down that venue. to it's... the point where I couldn't yeah. hear my, my own voice. Yeah. <laughs> but what can you do? Yeah. I think there's an office above our venue as well, because I often hear people, like, walking around above and things being dropped. Yeah, there's like a, it's like a shipping container and then there's like a shipping container on top of it that is apparently an office. Mm. Yeah, noise can noise. be tricky. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and distracting. Yeah, I have the same thing. My, I feel like people forgive it a bit more at the fringe, don't yeah. they? Yeah. They're like, yeah. oh, we're all just in little shipping me. containers, yeah, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah all enough. I can think about is I wore my Pleasance Pass for the first 15 minutes of a show the other day. <laughs> Um, I mean, that's obviously not something terrible going wrong, but I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> Freeze you out of it slightly, maybe, but it sounded like you dealt with it pretty well. I love it, though. That promo um, never stops. <laughs> oh, dear. With my still bisexual badge on. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I wonder then, you know, in terms of, like, you've got half the run left, roughly. Um, what are your thoughts in terms of, like, keeping up momentum? Like, do you have a little routine? Are you? Is there a self-care thing going on like what's going on to keep you going oh self-care is like absolutely necessary and I actually think the reason why today I'm having a bit of an off day is because I haven't been looking after myself as well today and yesterday Mm. I think I let myself get a little bit too stressed about the fact we had low pre-sales and I started going into my more like producer brain Mm -hmm. which you just can't when you're performing the show you have to just focus on the story Mm -hmm. um but I've just everyone's so supportive and my director's amazing and we had a really open honest chat about it and I'm going to go home after this maybe have a deep fried Mars bar you know and and like I just keep saying treat myself every day everything I'm like oh I'll treat myself I'll treat myself I'll treat myself and I'm like it's not it's not a treat if you do it every day for a month (laughs) yeah I think exactly the same like my producer's really supportive and my director's gone home now but um they both were like you just have to focus on doing the show you're now you're performing my sister was like joking you're the thoroughbred racehorse you you need to go into the stable (laughs) and we'll fly her for you (laughs) so I just make sure before the show which is why I haven't been to see either of yours yet because I'm doing my self-care where I'm at home I do a lot of dancing and then I do my vocal warm-up and then backstage I well it's a podcast they can't see I sort of do this. I'm like wiggling my arms yeah, around. Yeah, her arms. Yeah. And um, then do loads of like hip <laughs> rolling with my yeah. eyes closed. <laughs> and I say to myself, they're excited to see this story and you're excited to tell it. And that's what I say to myself. Oh, I love that. For like the first five minutes yeah. before. Because mm. I find if I haven't done that, it just, I feel a bit flat. Mm. It's like reminding myself. Mm-hmm. They're, they're here. They've paid to see you. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you're excited because you want to tell the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's okay. a lovely little ritual to have. You can have it if you want. <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of have. I have one. Me and my director always give each other a hug before the show. That's Aww. always like because we're best friends as well. So we Aww. give each other like a really nice like hug and sort of take a breath together. And then, yeah, I don't know. As audience are coming in, I sort of just think about like oh, this sounds really cringe, but I have this phrase where I'm like because the show's for my mum really. So I sort of just think like I'm gonna fill the room with our love. That's what I think. Oh, that's why. That's yeah, lovely. and that sort of gets me like grounded and yeah. I'm gonna ask then. <laughs> Katie's grounded. Have a moment. I would ask then. You know, if you had to do this all again next year, would you do anything differently? I mean, I'd maybe have a pep talk with myself to be like, Sadie, it's okay. Mm. You don't have to worry as much. Mm. Yeah, try to be less scared. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's it is a pretty daunting. scary thing to do, mm. and you're, you know, you're taking on a lot by being solo performers doing it. Yeah. So I think that's probably fair. That, but I just wonder as well. You know, you're all performers first, I suppose, in a way. You know, and telling your own story was that, I guess, in terms of looking at the industry, is there something important? Do you think about just making your own work, even yes, if you're definitely. not working? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Would you say anything to other actors in terms of that? I would say to do it. Yeah, to, yeah. just do it. You know, just do it. Don't wait. I wish I'd done mm-hmm. it 20 years ago, mm-hmm. but I don't think I had as much to say then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's really important and it's certainly the best way to showcase yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, like really try to overcome that fear as well. That well, I don't know about you guys, but I tr- I, my training was as an actor um, and as a sort of creative because we did a lot of devising, but. I never felt like the devising meant I could write mm. and there was like this block on putting pen to paper and not and believing in myself believing that I could write something that people would want to listen to um and I needed the validation of getting onto the Soho writers course to feel like I could say I'm a writer but mm. I actually think just just be- believe in yourself and I think it's maybe something women do a lot more that we feel we have to be taught to do something Mm, to do it absolutely and have that validation of oh I've done this course that taught me to write so now I'm a writer no if you write something you're a writer yeah that's it so that yeah that would be my advice like just write it and then also overcome the fear I think one of you said this a bit earlier about just putting it in front of people Mm -hmm. because that's that's what held me back as well about worrying about sharing it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but just do it totally agree yeah any final words of advice, ladies? If someone's thinking now, I want to do 2020, should they start now? What should they do? Any yeah. final thoughts? Get cracking. Get cracking. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, lads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Waste no time. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much, ladies. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Spotlight Podcast. If you've got any questions about what you heard today or that you'd like us to cover in an upcoming podcast, drop us an email at questions at spotlight.com or contact us on Twitter at Spotlight UK. That's all for now from the home of casting.